Well, as I mentioned last uh, Sunday, uh, we have a special guest speaker today. Um, next week, Lord willing, we're going to be starting our, our series of verse, verse-by-verse study of First Peter. But today, we have a special guest. She's our worship leader. She's our church bookkeeper. Uh, she's our kids' church leader. She's our daughter. We give a warm welcome to Stacy Amendola Johnson. <clears throat> She's saying, hurry up, Dad. I got a, I got a word to share. But uh, this is always a very happy moment for me and Pamela. We're proud of you, Stacy. We've been praying for you and looking forward to... I've been looking forward for, for you preaching to me today. All right. So go for it. Thank I love you. you. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I never take this opportunity lightly. If you, if you don't know me, I have um, a little bit of a shepherd's heart, a little, a little bit of a, a shepherd's calling. So when I get the opportunity to operate in that calling, I, I'm happy and I love it. How's everybody doing today? Good? All right. It's a great day to be in God's house. I was so blessed by worship. How about you? Come on. All right. Why don't you, why don't we pray and we'll just dive in. Okay, bow your heads with me. Lord, we love you so much. We, I am so grateful to be in your house this morning. I'm so grateful to be in your presence during worship. And I'm so thankful for your word that is living. So I ask you to speak to us this morning through your word. Speak, speak through me, Father. Let me hear your voice so clearly. Give us all ears to hear what you would have to say to your church today. I thank you, Lord, that you have already spoken and reminded us who you are. I pray, Father, that you just pour out your spirit right now in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Um, so you saw it was my summer's our birthday filled with birthdays for my family. My kiddos are June, July, August. Ella's birthday was yesterday. Um, Dan and I have four kids. Leah's is in September. Um, but our all four of our kids really need sleep. Like, we all need sleep, but they, like, if they don't have sleep, it's a problem. It's noticeable. Anyone else like that? I need sleep, too, if, if I don't have it. But all four of our kids wake up kind of similar. Leah, her whole life, you have to drag her out of bed, right? She is so sleepy, even now. If I call her, I can tell by her voice. I'm like, did you just wake up? Yeah, like two hours ago. Like, she is still not awake yet. Ava wakes up bright and early, but she's not ready to talk yet. She gives a little smile. She, like, wiggles her foot at me when I come down the stairs. Jack is like a slow mover. He's like a saw. He comes and sighs. It's morning time. You know, like, they're awake, but it's slow. Ella, the one who turned 12, not the case. She wakes up, she is on. She is awake, she is filled with words, she has ideas, she has a project, she wants a piece of cake, she wants an Oreo, she wants something sweet. Since she was a little girl, when she was really tiny, I brought her to the doctor and I was like, something's wrong with my child because she doesn't ever sleep. And the doctor told me, well, how long is, you know, all these questions, and finally said, she's an early bird, and that's just the way it is. And I was like, okay. So when Ella wakes up, she is, I mean, like, the words do not stop. I don't know where she gets it from. Probably. <laughs> um, but she's, she's delightful. But we have, you know, a, a schedule in our home. Like, I have my time, like, with the Lord, and we all have quiet time. And sometimes I'll see Ella, like I'm sitting at the table having quiet time and Jack and Ella, Jack and Ava are having quiet time and I'll see Ella across the room and she's like brimming 
with ideas. You know what I mean? Like she's respecting my time to not talk, but she's like ready to go. She never runs out of something to say. And when she does, she just like starts over from the beginning. She's like, I probably told you this already, but da -da 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 -da. it's wonderful. It's delightful. Um, but I love words too. I'm, I'm a wordsmith. I like to talk about things, right, babe? I see you back there. I like to talk it out. I like to talk about it, and then I like to talk about it again. Ava tells me all the time, Mama, you said that already. I'm like, yeah, let's just go through it one more time. Just talk it out. That's how I work things out. And um, I read recently that the average like half-hour presentation or speech or sermon has about 7,000 words in it. And I feel like we have about that much time today, and I'm going to double that. I just have a feeling. So brace yourself, but get ready, all right? Because I believe that the, word, the Lord has a word for us. Um, with my love for words, I, I knew that I was going to have an opportunity to, to preach in, in this time. So I kind of was seeking the Lord and asking him to lead me. And I'm a New Testament girl. I love the New Testament. I love the richness of the history of our faith. Um, it, it speaks to me. But the Lord brought me to the New Testament. And I had I began to like scribble down pages and pages of words of notes because it was so rich. It was a passage that I was familiar with, but it just hit me in a new way, you know. And when when Pastor said, "Okay, how about this date?" I said, "Okay, I better get my thoughts together." Um, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, just kept narrowing it down to one word, one thing, one thought, which is comical for me because I like words. And I kept saying, but Lord, this ties into this and this goes here. And the Holy Spirit just kept saying, just this one thing. So this morning, I want to talk to you about this one thing. We're going to turn to John, the book of John in the Gospels. Turn with me. Um, have you ever, for all the parents, or co even if you're at your job or your spouse, when you leave directions for someone, you know, you like you think about it, you write it all down, and at the end, you kind of like underline the one main thing. Like if you get nothing, just put the clothes in the dryer, right? Or if you get nothing, just do this. There's just you hammer it in, and that's what we're going to read right now in John 15. Um, I'll read it. Ready? I am the true, this is Jesus speaking, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be mine. As my Father has loved you, so I love you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in me. And I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Down at the end of that chapter, he says one more time, remain in me. So what do you think the one thing the Lord wants to tell us today is? To remain. Got it? Eleven times Jesus says to his disciples, remain in me. 
This is a familiar passage, right? I feel like we've all kind of heard this. It's on t-shirts. It's on wall hangings. Um, it's familiar. I've, I've heard it a lot of times, but I've never read it quite like this. So when we jump in to this chapter of John, Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's in the upper room. He has already completed his ministry on earth. He's already had the Last Supper. You know the Last Supper where he has communion with his guys, his tribe, his disciples. He breaks bread with them. He tells them, this is my cup. Do this in remembrance of me. He tells Judas, you're going to betray me. Judas leaves. He tells Peter, you're going to deny me. Like he's giving his people, his guides, a lot of information. He washed their feet. Like they've been spending a lot of time with Jesus. Have you ever been with someone or spent time with someone? And you can just, you feel that like slow tension of the importance of what they're saying. You're not quite sure where it's going, but you just know it's important. So you want to lean in. I, I heard some, a preacher compare this these chapters of John as like the deathbed confessions of Jesus because this night this same night that Jesus is saying to his disciples I'm the vine you're the branches remain in me he's going to go to the garden where he's going to be alone and he's going to cry sweat blood and he's going to ask his father to take the cross from him he's going to be arrested and he's going to die right? So this is that same day the disciples don't know. He has already told them, you know, he's been speaking into them. He's introduced the idea of the Holy Spirit to them. He's given them so much. And you can just kind of imagine them like, are you writing this down? Because I feel like this is, I feel the urgency in this kind of casual setting that we're hanging out. So I just, I just can picture that the disciples are there. They have eaten. They have been, um, served by Jesus. They're, this is, he is their master. He, they love Jesus. They have seen him do miracles. And he's like, okay, now listen to me. I just want to tell you one more thing. I don't want you to forget because I know in chapter 14, the last verse in chapter 14, Jesus is saying, I can't say much more. I already told you all this, but I can't say much more because the prince of the earth, the devil is coming. He's coming and he's going to be having all out assault on you. I'm going to die and he's going to be loosed on earth. So I need you to really lean into me and remain in me. All right. And you can imagine his disciples like, yes, we are here for you. Like you're, we've given up our life. All those men left their lives to follow Jesus. But that wasn't enough because he knew it was going to be so much more. And the importance was to remain. When we, rem to remain means to um, continually stay, to abide. Some translations might say to abide. Abide means to stay, to live, to dwell, to actively reside. Remaining with Jesus is not, is an active word. It means to choose to be there, to stay with Jesus. When Jesus becomes Lord of our life, he becomes our home, right? We depend on Jesus. We, we are like the disciples. We are not leaving our family and our life behind, but in the same way, we're dropping what we used to be and we're following Jesus. His thoughts become our thoughts. His strengths become our strengths. We need to remain so that we can live, right? Um, anybody, motorcycle riders, anybody? 
Yeah? My husband has a motorcycle. It was the first, when we first got married, he had a sport bike. And it was the, really the first motorcycle I ever rode on. Um, and, you know, when you're sitting on a motorcycle, when you're driving, is that what you, when you're driving a motorcycle, is that the word? I don't know. <laughs> when you're operating a motorcycle, you learn to lean with the bike, right? When you're going around turns, you're le- have you ever seen, you know, you're leaning. And when I started riding behind Dan, um, his only like coaching to me was when I lean, you lean. And it's counterintuitive because you're leaning, you're suddenly like close to the ground. It feels really fast and you're, you're holding on. But like if you don't lean, you're fighting with the operate, the driver and you're fighting with the bike, right babe? So it's not safe. It's dangerous. So when you're riding the motorcycle and you're a passenger, you're holding on and you have to lean. And I remember those first few rides were so, it was so out, like it just doesn't feel comfortable. You want to kind of go upright. But now, because I trust him and I know him to be a good driver and I know he knows what he's doing, I I love riding behind him and knowing I lean when he leans. And I know I'm safe and we're moving together and it's great. And that's kind of the picture that I thought of with this because that's what Jesus is saying to us. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to grow you. I'm going to, you know, take over. I'm going to provide everything you need, but you need to like lean with me. You need to remain with me. You need to stay with me. Um, the only strategy in life that's worth living really is to remain with Jesus. It's this one thing to remain. Eleven times he said it. 11 times he wanted his guys to hear it. It's important. It's not just know who I am, follow my teachings, trust in me, you know, love me, all this stuff. Remain with me. Stay connected to me. I am the source of your life. I am providing every single thing that you need. Um, he loves you. He pursues you. We follow him because he becomes our home, right? He, we abide with him because he keeps us safe. We dwell with him and we stay connected to him. He becomes mother and father. He becomes savior, Lord, and friend, right? He becomes the very source of life. It sounds so simple, like we're all here because we love Jesus. We know Jesus is the source of life. And yet we struggle so so hard. We search so long. We, we wonder why things are happening. We wonder what's going on in our life when Jesus is just saying to his disciples who he's about to leave to us, I'm going, but you need to remain with me still. You need to stay connected to me still. Um, so often we seem to fill up on other people's remainings. Like we come to church trusting that pastor is going to be remaining with Jesus and he's going to give us a word, right, from the Lord. We're trusting that. We come trusting that the worship team has been remaining with Jesus and that they're going to bless the Lord and we're going to have fill up on that fruit. And that's so good, but that won't keep us. We can't go home, right, and live on somebody else's remaining, somebody else's fruit. Jesus says, I'm the vine. You're the branch. I'm your source. You got to stay with me, right? Is it's so it's so easy to be a Christian right now, right? Pamela referenced it. Pastor referenced it last week. 
Uh, we have the freedom to come and worship out loud. Everyone's talking about being free to worship whoever you want. We have that freedom. We can proudly proclaim the name of Jesus, right? Sometimes it's hard to stand on our convictions. We might get a little pushback for that. But really, there's no excuse not to be a Christian, right? We know that God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus, for us. He covers our sin. So we are a Christian, right? Um, but, and it's so easy to find, you know, you're all in the house today. You're joining us live stream. I'm so glad. But it's easy to find reasons not to be in church on Sunday, right? Growing up, I think I, we never missed a Sunday, ever. Well, pastor could never miss. No, but even when we were on vacation, I think Dan's experience is the same. You go on vacation, you find a church on Sunday, right? You don't miss Sunday. Like you have a family event, you're, we're late. Like it's, we have church on Sunday and yeah, we live in a world now where, man, it's easy to catch the live stream later. It's easy to find pastor's sermons on YouTube. It's easy to find anybody's sermons right? We can find any preaching at any moment. We can watch a 30-second reel of someone preaching and be like, yes, we heard we heard a sermon this week. We're, we're good. And that's all good. I mean, I like that. I have favorite preachers, but that does not replace our connection with Jesus. Um, I, I, was, I was just like praying about this and, and, you know, seeking that and like, Lord, let me, let me speak in such a way that we understand this simple truth, because it's easy to say, yes, I know he's the vine. I, I get it. I'm, but are we really connected? Are we truly remaining? Um, David is a beautiful example of humanity. Um, David was uh, the boy who was uh, unlikely chosen to be king, right? He um, killed Goliath with stones. He was a worshiper. He served the king. He became the king. He was a mighty man after God's heart, and he was a big-time sinner, just like us, right? He had the favor of God on his life, but he was prone to sin, just like us. And he often, the Psalms, I love the Psalms, um, because they're just a beautiful just example of humanity and seeking God. But Psalm 27 clearly just expresses um, David's heart. And it just hit me because he is he's saying, the Lord is my light, the Lord is my salvation, my enemies are coming. But one thing, verse 4, one thing I ask from the Lord, only one thing I seek, that I may dwell in his house for all the days of my life, that I may gaze on his beauty, that I may study at his feet. The day of trouble, he'll keep me safe in his home. He will hide me in the shelter of his tent and set me high on a rock. Um, David is saying, I need all these things from the Father, from God, who I know to be faithful, but there's one thing that I seek. If you could ask one thing of God, what would it be? Would that be your prayer? I was so convicted. Would that be your request? One thing, one thing I want, I just want to be with you, Jesus. I just want to be with you. Man, that, that's my prayer now, now that I like let that soak in. That goes before my list. And the word tells us to bring our supplications to the Lord. You know, that's, there's a time for that. But before that, you better believe I am echoing David, a man, a sinner who had a heart after God that says, the only thing I want is to be with you. That's it. 
Luke 10 gives us another example of humanity, Mary and Martha. Um, Have you heard the story? You know the story. Jesus is with his disciples. Everybody knows about him now. They've seen his miracles. He's coming to town, and they're like, ooh, get him to come to our house. Right? They want to see him, wouldn't you? So Martha and Mary are sisters. They have a home, and she invites Jesus and his disciples to to come for dinner. And... um, They come, and Martha opened her home, and she had a sister named Mary who sat at his feet listening to all his stories, all he was saying, and she was cooking and cleaning. When I was a kid, I remember Sunday school, Mary and Martha were depicted like Martha was so grumpy, like she had the apron on, and she was like washing dishes, and Mary was like sitting at Jesus's feet, and I kind of think we're giving Martha like a bad rep because Mary and Martha opened their home. I have a feeling that they both were up all night cleaning their house, preparing their best food, you know, doing all the things. But when Jesus came, Mary was like, okay, we've done it. We've served him enough. Now I want to sit with him. And Martha was like, no, there's more to do. Is that not like all of us, right? Have you ever hosted a party and then everyone leaves and you're like, I didn't even talk to anybody. I was so busy, right? Happens to all of us. Martha is a lot of us. And Martha says to Jesus, Lord, don't you care that my sister left me? We invited you here, and she left me. And Jesus, the Lord says, Martha, you're worried, and you're upset about so many things. Like, it's okay. You know, he's like patted her on the shoulder. Few things are needed In fact, only one thing is necessary, and Mary chose the one thing that will last. So for all of Martha's serving Jesus, which was so welcome and such a blessing to him, the one thing that will last is Mary sitting at his feet. So this morning, I just want to give you some some words, five words, on how we can stay, how we can remain with Jesus. Okay? Are you in for that? Yeah, because like David, who fell so many times, he was so aware of his sin. Oh, wretched man that I am. He still knew the importance of being with the Lord, of being with the Father. Mary worked for Jesus. She did that. She worked for him and served him. But then she sat with him. The idea that the opposite of remaining with Christ is being disconnected from him should produce fear in our life. It should make us incredibly uncomfortable. It should actually, it should be terrifying to think that we could know who Christ is, that we could know God the Father, that we could follow his teachings, but not be connected to him. That should make us afraid. We should have a fear in that. The only thing worth protecting, worth knowing, is our connection to Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, So I'm going to give you five words, and I hope that you remember them, and I hope that we together can be challenged to heed the words of Jesus. Again, I'm going to go back to John 15 for a second. 
Just imagine, Jesus is in the upper room. He's talking to his guys. These are men that he loved. He's a human like us, so he's mourning the fact that he's leaving, that he has to face death. It was his idea, but it's heavy on him. We know that from the scriptures, right? And he's downloading all this stuff. My peace will be with you. The Holy Spirit, it's better for you that I go. The Holy Spirit is ready, but they really don't know. They weren't like us where we've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, where we've experienced not having Jesus here, but we have the Spirit here, right? They had no idea. Jesus is telling them, the prince of darkness, the prince of earth is coming. They don't know about the devil like we know, right, up until this point. So I'm just imagining they've eaten, he's washed their feet, they've been sitting, talking. It's like golden hour, right? You know, like 6 p.m. in late summer. It's beautiful light. You can imagine Jesus saying, let's go sit outside. Let's get some fresh air. He sees the vineyard across the way. This is a common sight, right? All these men have probably worked vineyards. Their families probably worked vineyards. They know what it looks like, what it smells like. They understand. So when Jesus says to them, I can't say much more to you, but I want to say this. They're paying attention. They're leaning in. It's like visiting someone you love on their deathbed. When they speak, you want to hear them, right? And Jesus is saying, I am the vine. Up until this point, Israel was the vine. Israel, any connection to Israel meant you were close to God, right? But John's talking to people that have no connection to Israel. And Jesus is saying to his disciples and to us, I am the true vine. What was is no longer. I'm here now. I'm the true vine. My father's the gardener. You're the branches. If you're dead, you get cut off. If you are, if I see the potential to be fruitful, I will prune you. But that's just like one little bit of what he's saying. That's just like a little, yes, I'm going to prune you. I'm going to burn what's dead. But really, I'm asking you to remain in me and remain in my love, remain in my word, remain in my joy. And I will give you all the things. I will be the source of life. So how do we remain with Jesus? How do we stay connected to the source? The first word to remember, to know how to remain is to choose Jesus, commit to Jesus. I think that everyone here, I'm, I'm assuming, I think it's pretty good, safe to say, we have all accepted Jesus into our heart. We've all said the sinner prayer at one point, right? Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I, I, I know that you have come to, you died on the cross for my sins, so I accept you into my heart, right? I said the sinner's prayer when I was about five. I, you probably know this story. I was with my mom. The was ringing. I'm not sure how it happened, but the phone was ringing. And I just remember, wow, she's not answering the wall phone without an answering machine. That's how old I am. Because it was important. Accepting Jesus was more important. And that just like struck me as a little one. And I said the sinner's prayer. And could that one act have saved me and kept me? Maybe. That one prayer asking Jesus into my heart my whole life might have squeezed me into heaven. Maybe, maybe if I remembered who God was and I followed the teachings, of, right? Like we can, we can kind of imagine that. But really, every day we have to choose Jesus. My husband is a romantic. He's right back there. He's romantic. When we met, there were sparks flying and lightning bolts and thunder. And it was like... We met, we're like in love, we're getting married. We'll be 19 years next month. Um, Nothing could stop us. 
Nothing could stop us from getting married. Am I right? And um, shortly after our wedding, I was talking to someone, and I'm like giddy in love, right? And I was like, we just couldn't help it. We're just so in love. And my very romantic husband was like, "Mm -mm, I chose to love you. I choose to love you. I don't have to love you. And I was like, what? My 24-year self was like, you choose to love me? It didn't just hit you on the head and you have to. But my 43-year-old self is like, yeah, commitment is the most romantic thing ever, right? I'm so grateful that he chooses to love me every day. In the same way, we have to choose Jesus because what is a relationship without that? Right? What is a relationship without commitment? Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is are death, but the gift of God is life. Joshua 24 says, Choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. John 1.12 says, To all who receive him, to all who believe, they have the right to become children of God. Matthew 16 tells us, If you want to follow me, pick up your cross and let's go. John 1.9 says, Confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Man, when we begin to choose Jesus every day, when we wake up and say, Okay, Lord, today I'm going to follow you, what happens? Conviction comes, and it is so sweet. I remember a season of my life many, many, many years ago where I was walking a line where I was trying to, I couldn't deny Jesus and the power of Jesus, but I wanted to walk the line with the world, right? And I was able, two days maybe, I could get away from conviction, but it chased me down. Now, today, I welcome conviction. There's not a day that goes by where I'm not convicted of a thought, a something, right? Where the Lord is like, you remember that you're a sinner saved by me, right? You remember that you have no good thing apart from me, and conviction pulls us back into connection with Jesus. It is not something to run from. I hate to say it, but we can't hide from Jesus. He already knows what we've done, what we think, what we've contemplated. He knows the passing moments, so we cannot hide from him. Choose Jesus every day. In, invite conviction into your heart. Um, I just, while I was worshiping down there, I had this like thought to tell some of you to set an alarm on your phone like every two hours. And when it goes off, stop what you're doing and say, Jesus, I commit my life to you. I want to be connected to you. Just do it. Like, just, just do it. I feel like the Lord is telling somebody just to do that. Make it, set your alarm and say, okay, when the alarm goes off, I'm going to remind myself that I belong to Jesus. The second thing we do when we want to remain with Christ is to begin to walk in communion with the Holy Spirit. John 14, the verse before this, the chapter before the vine and the branches, verse 16 says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you an advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world doesn't know. The world can't accept him because it can't see him or know him. But if you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you, I will not leave you as an orphan. The Spirit will be with you. 
Because I live, you also will live. Down verse 25 and 26. I've spoken this to you while I'm still here, because he knows he's leaving. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send, will teach you all the things, will remind you of everything I have said to you. You heard me, I'm going away, but you're not alone. Uh, James 4, 4 says, you're, when you come to Christ, you're no longer friends with the world. Verse 7, but, but as you die, as you submit to me, the Spirit of God will dwell with you. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, In Christ we're a new creation. In the Old Testament that I love, Ezekiel 36 reminds us that when we know God, when we're connected, when we're remaining, He gives us a new heart and a new spirit. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Any gardeners? I'm a, I'm a novice gardener, trying really hard. And last year I grew peppers, hot peppers, but they were not spicy. And I don't like spicy food, but Dan does and my kids kind of do. And I really wanted to like grow my own spicy peppers. And they were not hot at, at all, really. A little, you know. So this year I was asking the guy at Tractor Supply, who kind of knows me by now, and I was like, I just want my peppers to be spicy. They look great. The, the, the plants are beautiful. And this guy walked me over to the shears and said, cut them off. Cut all the leaves off. And I was like, but they look so good. And he's like, cut them all off and see what happens. And I was like, okay. So I cut all, it was painful. It was so painful. I cut off all my beautiful green leafing pepper plants. And let me tell you what. I have so many jalapeno peppers, I don't know what to do with them, and they are so, so spicy, right? So, the Lord, when, when we begin to go into communion with the Holy Spirit, He begins to prune us, right? The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our teacher. He's our guide. He sanctifies us. He equips us. He gives us hope. Acts 1, 18 says we will receive power when we, when the Holy Spirit falls on us. Romans 8 says, um, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I say that all the time because we, it is so lost on us what power that is. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. The same power that brought someone who was dead back to life resides in us. Sheesh. And, and Romans 8 goes on to say, he, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. That's probably my favorite scripture because, man, when we don't know what to say, we have that power inside of us that has a direct line to the Father, that has a direct line to Jesus, the source of our life, and He speaks for us. He is our advocate. He is our intercessor. That makes me happy. Amen. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom, counsel, knowledge, fear of the Lord, purity, right? Holiness. He is the best thing that we have. Jesus is gone waiting. He's in eternity waiting and the spirit is with us. The third word to do as we remain in Christ is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Cooperate as he leads because man, my pepper plants looked really good. But if I didn't cut them off, they would have had no fruit. They would just have been green and leafy and nice. And it would have been delightful when I walked out. But then what? Like, September and October would have come, and there would have been nothing to show for it. 
cooperate as he leads us. Obedience and abiding, remaining with the Lord equals abundance. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? Um, So while we commune with the Holy Spirit, when we remember that he draws near to us, that that we are the temple of the Spirit, we can't hold on to what he cuts off. Right? I also have tomato plants, and this year they're really leggy. Do you know what that means? Like the seeds grew, but they couldn't find the sun, so it's like a very thin stem because they're searching for the sun, and then really heavy branches with tomatoes on them. And there, there are tomatoes, and they look great, but they're so heavy because they don't have a strong stem to hold them up. So let me tell you, I have taped these things to poles. I have wrapped fabric around all that you saw. I have, you know, fencing. I have string. I have everything to keep these guys up. And when tomato branches get very heavy, they break. And if you lift it back up and you tie it really tight, the, the fruit of the tomato will turn red and ripen and you can eat it. But there won't be any more fruit after that. So don't be like me and my tomatoes. Don't pick up what the Lord has taken away from you. Because even though you may see a little bit of fruit from that, that's all it will be. And then it will just be a dead branch attached to the pole with some fabric or some twine. The Lord, the word says that he will prune what could be fruitful. So um, in your own life, I want to encourage you to cooperate with the Lord. When he, he prunes what will have fruit. So when he prunes us, it might feel painful. It might feel like you're taking away what I have or what I, my gifts. So you're taking away what I love. Like that pepper plant looked very sad. It looked very lonely when it was just a stick in the ground. But the Lord only prunes, only takes away what he knows will be fruitful. Um, so, so choose Jesus every day. Commit to the Lord. Commune with the Holy Spirit. I had someone ask me, in Kids Church, we've been learning about the Holy Spirit and how to speak to the Holy Spirit and how, how he guides us. And I, I had come armed with like a lot of examples to kind of like convince the kids that this unseen, you know, quiet being will lead us. But I didn't have to pull out any of that because they were so quick to say, yeah, so we just ask him and he just tells us where to go. And I was like, yes, can we all be like a kid? Can we all be like that? We complicate Jesus so much. We think we have to be worthy. We think we have to be ready. We think we have to be, uh, you know, all patched up and all figure, figure everything out. We, we think that we have to pray a certain way. I, I feel so grateful that I grew up in the church and even though I knew Jesus, I didn't, I say all the time, I didn't really know that the Holy Spirit was for me until I was an adult. But even with that, someone prayed for me when I was about 10 and I had a little, a few words of speaking in tongues. I got a few words. As a kid, there was no wondering, no questioning, no, like, was that really the Holy Spirit or was that me? It just happened. I held on to it. I had people in my life that would encourage me. If you ever had the gifts of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, practice. And I just did because I was a kid and I knew Jesus was for me. And that's just what we did, right? As adults, we complicate that. If you Google, I did this because I wanted to see. If you Google, how do I speak in tongues? How do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? You will get pages and pages and pages on Google that says, 
ask the Holy Spirit and wait. And when you hear something, not from your mind, from your spirit, begin to say them. That's it. There is no formula. There is no magic words. There is nothing. Choose Jesus. Commit your life to Jesus. Choose him every day. Say, Holy Spirit, I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. The Holy Spirit and I have like a comical understanding now at this point in my life. I, for so long, wasted time asking for him to... Well, just confirm that for me. Can you confirm that one more time? Can you just tell me one more time? So now I get confirmation like overkill. I almost feel like he's like, you want a confirmation? I mean, like this week I was preparing and I was like, Lord, is this the direction I should go? Ella had brought paint samples home from like Home Depot because she liked them. The paint samples were called Abide and dwell. Those were the paint samples. That was the name of the paint. I was like, okay. So, you know, you, when, when you are, when you are earnestly seeking the Lord, it sounds so easy to say, just ask the Holy Spirit and he'll speak to you. But truly he does. He will. Don't let your, your humanness get in the way. All right? So as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, as we say, okay, I'm going to let down myself. I'm going to be a new creation. I'm not going to conform to the world. I'm going to allow you to prune me. We need to cultivate our mind, our spirit, our life. Because it's all well and good, right? When we're like, okay, I choose Jesus. I want the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me. I'm going to do what you say. And then he's like, okay, now what? Right? Um, Isaiah, uh, let's see. So cultivate means to improve for growth. It means to like fertilize your soil. Anybody do that? I do. I'm like researching all the time on how to get good soil because I don't think we have a good soil here outside. But so we first choose Jesus. We have become, begun familiar with repentance and confession and communion with the Holy Spirit. We're in the Word. Pastor was talking about that last week. We have to read the Word. I read, um, I saw a Bible poll, no, a Bible like study, scientific study where they took participants 8 through 80 and they had them try different um, lifestyle changes to see the effect on them. And one of the things in the study was reading the Bible. And the first two days there was no marked difference. But on the third day, it was 42% said that they had lessened anxiety. 52% said that they had a brighter outlook on life. 74% saw a change in lifetime illness. Okay, so chronic illness after a few days of reading the Bible. No other change. I'm not sure if they were even believers. I, it didn't say that. It was not a Christian study. Okay, 70% saw a change in their home, in their marriage, in their relationships. They saw diabetes, status of diabetes change, anxiety change, all these things from what? Two weeks of reading the Bible. The word of God is living. It is active. It is sharp and it is important. So we need to be in the word. When my, I'm homeschooling our kids, we're going into our fourth year. Um, before we started homeschooling, we had a practice of reading like a kid's devotional every morning. It was one page. It was very great. It was funny. It was interesting. It was great. When we started homeschooling, I was looking for something that would provide kind of like a reading, you know, like a little bit, just more. We had more time, and I really wanted more. And I was so struck by the change in our home just from reading the Word. I was also struck by the fact that I had so many devotionals 
Like I love, I love words. I love a good book. I love a good devotional. But as I was searching for one to do with my kids, I just kept finding it was so many words that somebody wrote and very little Bible. And that, that, that happens. I, go look and see. Look in your devotionals and see what are you reading. It's not bad. The Lord uses, speaks through people. But I was realizing we're spending this much time in our devotional and we're really reading somebody else's thoughts and one verse, two verses. It just struck me as like, this is not it. And so, you know, I'm back on Google, I'm like, you know, good Bible study for kids. And then I just, the Holy Spirit again is like, just read the word. Why do we complicate it? Why do we try to find a devotional book that will capture our attention, that will streamline the Word of God? Man, if your devotions in the morning look like a lot of somebody else's words and a little bit of Bible, I would challenge you to flip that. Flip that. See what the Lord will speak to you. I I am reaping the benefits of my children being in the Word, and so are you on Tuesday and Thursday talk. It has transformed the way they think. Um, The scripture memory is not just verses here and there. It is like in them, and I'm so blessed by it. The Word of the God does not return empty. If If you are like, I don't even know where to start, Psalms are my favorite, and let me tell you, there's 150 of them. Some are short. Some are long, but each one is doable in one day. And if you start today and you read one a day, it will pull you into the new year. And then we can figure something else out. And, you know, some days we're reading the word and that's it. Open and shut. No questions. Good job. We love you, Jesus. And some days it pulls us. Commentaries are everywhere. There's some for kids. There's some for adults. There's some for new. You know, if you don't know the word. And it will just pull together the living word of God. Cultivate your mind. Come to church. Cultivate an atmosphere of worship. I love music. I love worship. You know that? I cannot listen to music that doesn't glorify God at this season in my life. I just can't because the word music gets stuck in my head and I sing it all day long and it's so great, but it does, it's, it begins to wear at my connection to Jesus. It's just where I'm at. You might not be there, but for me, music pulls my attention away from Jesus. So I choose not to. If I hear a song in like a gas station, my kids will tell me, are you, what song are you humming? And I'm like, oh, because I don't want it in my mind. It just, it, it's catchy. I love to sing. I love, so I choose not to. I want to cultivate a heart of worship. And for me, that means only listening to music that pulls me to Jesus. Even if it's Christian, even if it's beautiful, even if it's not bad, it's not about that. It's about cultivating my heart for Jesus, right? So I don't know what you need to cultivate in your life. Maybe you're like, Stacy, I've known the Lord for 40 years. I do read my Bible. I am in communion with the Holy Spirit, but I am cooperating with him. But maybe you're finding that you're struggling with the same things over and over. And they're not so bad, but it's like you're ready to be done with them or move on from them, right? Cultivate a life and a heart after the Father. Um, Let's see. Ephesians. I suddenly feel the clock ticking. Can you hear it? It's ticking. (laughs) That's just a joke, guys. It's okay. All right. The book of Ephesians, chapter 3. You know, pastor's been preaching scripture by scripture, and um, I, I'm not really great at taking notes. Like, I end up doodling on the side of the page. Like, I'm just not really 
good at it. So, but um, with this preaching verse by verse, what I do like to do is write in my Bible. And I've been keeping notes in my Bible, which some people might not like because it's kind of a mess, but I like it because it keeps my mind, you know, like engaged because I'm reading the word that is being preached and I'm writing the, the notes next to it. Just throwing that out there. Ephesians 3, 14 says, let's see. So we're cultivating a heart after the Father, right? For this reason, I kneel before the Father, for whom every family in heaven and earth derives his name. I pray that out of this glory, the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell, there's that word again, it means remain, it means abide, in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, having power together with the Lord's people, grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, is at work within us. To him be the glory. Amen. And then over in chapter 6, Ephesians is encouraging us again, you know this passage, to put on the armor of God. When we begin to cultivate um, a heart and a life after Jesus, we need to protect what we're putting in our mind and what we're putting in our heart and what we're putting in our spirit, right? For me, that means not listening to songs from my teenage years. Not, I mean, even commercials, I'm like, because I, it just reminds me, it's not bad, it's not sinful necessarily, but it's not, I know that it's not good for me. So my challenge to you is, what do you need to do to cultivate your life? Where do you need to not go? If, if um, alcohol is a temptation for you or the way that you decompress after work, don't buy it. Don't have it in your home. Don't go to the bar with your buddies, right? Like, just choose to cultivate something else. If it's movies that, you know, some, I, someone spoke to me recently about they, like, love supernatural movies. They're not so bad, but they felt convicted, and I was, you know, I'm like, yes, I have been there. If it's not good for you, just stop doing it. Again, easier said than done, but it's just a measure of, like, yes, I will cultivate my life after you. I will not listen to that. Listen, if you have been hurt by the church, I've been hurt by the church. Don't hang out with people who have been hurt by the church that haven't been healed. If you have been hurt by a father or a man in your life, right? I see there are Christian influencers. I see them all the time pop up in my feed that want to just like bash men in, in, in a encouraging way. Man, if that's your thing, don't do that. If self-pity is where you fall into a hole, don't hit, don't be around people that will, we can always find people, someone to like commiserate with us, right? We can always find someone else that's been hurt the same way we have. But man, it's time to cultivate a new life to remain with Jesus. If you've had trauma in your life and you know that being in certain situations pulls out that trauma, change where you go. If you feel like you are looking at things through the lens of the pain that you've experienced, I, I've been hurt by the church, right? I grew up in the church and it was a source of strength and hope and pain for me. And about 12 years ago, I had some chronic things going on with my body and I had scar tissue over my eye. And it, the doctors, I was pregnant with Ava. 
Um, the doctor's like, we can't take it off. It's just something you're gonna, your eyes will adapt and you'll just see through the lens. It's not affecting your vision, but it was terrible. So we had some healing services at the church and I went up and I asked for a prayer and I experienced a true miracle. It, that the Lord ripped that scar tissue off my eye. It has never returned. True miracle, right? <clears throat> so not too long after that, I was, I mean, I had, it was amazing. It was, I was so grateful. And I was talking to someone, and I had just gotten done telling her, oh, yeah, like, the Lord just totally healed me. It was so great. And then the next breath, we were kind of commiserating about something that was real. The pain was real. It was real hurt. It wasn't gossip. It wasn't, but it was not edifying. And the, the Holy Spirit just hit me and was like, I took off that scar tissue from your eye and I changed the way you saw. I changed your vision. And now you need to change how you see things and how you respond to things. Because man, something happens. We are human and we grow up and we go through stuff and things happen to us. We do things. We create cycles that change the way we see things, that change the way we hear things, right? Social media is filled with filters for your face. We put our own filters on what we hear. Maybe you've been so hurt that anything you hear feels like pain. Any comment feels like it's personal to you, right? You're defensive. Maybe you've experienced so much trauma that you can only point out trauma in other people and can't see the good things. Maybe you've experienced so much sickness that you feel like that's who you are and that's the identity you've taken on. I don't know, but the Lord challenged me and I'm challenging you to change the way you see and hear and respond to things. He wants to cultivate a life that is connected to him so that you see in truth. All right? You with me? Okay. Once again, easier said than done. I'm aware. But we're choosing Jesus every day. We're we're in communion with the Holy Spirit who gives us power every day. We're cooperating and we're cultivating our mind and our spirit to be with Jesus. Right? Amen. So let's see. Um... Galatians 5 tells us about the fruits of the Spirit. John 15 that we just read says that when you remain in me, I will be with you. And when you remain in me in my love and in my word, in my joy, you will be fruitful. Just like my pepper plants. Which were so fruitful. Okay, I'm I'm stuck here. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, which we can assume is the fruit that Jesus is talking about will flow from our life. This is not one branch has one fruit and another branch has another. We are all connected to the true vine, which is Jesus. We are all the branches. We all bear fruit, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law those who belong to Christ Jesus have died to the flesh and because we live by the spirit we will keep in step with the spirit and bear fruit amen are you with me church we're committing our lives to Jesus every day don't forget somebody has to set their alarm so that they can remember I belong to Jesus I'm committing my life to Jesus we are in communion with the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us who gives us power who is our guide to life 
we are, co- we are cooperating with that same spirit and not trying to hold on to the branches that he's cutting off. Not trying to hold on to our old... Whether Listen, this can be us trying to hold on to sin, to th- destructive thought patterns, to old lifestyle choices, whatever. But it can also be us trying to hold on to our gifts in the natural, our dreams for our life, the way, the, the way we thought things should be. You know what I mean? We can hold on to good things that God doesn't want for us. And it can become a hindrance to what he wants when he calls us to remain with him. So as we cultivate our mind and provide fertile soil for what he wants to do, uh, the last thing is to we have to contend for our faith. We have to contend for our life. Because again, truly, to not be connected to the vine that provides everything we need is terrifying. To be disconnected because of our own choice and choosing, because of our pensions and our, our fondness for the destructive things in life is terrifying. To contend means to stand and agonize and hold on. It implies fighting, but not striving. Do you get that? Like, I, I, I feel like I, I'm contending for my children, right? Parents, you know, I'm contending for them in the spirit because I don't want them to make the same mistakes that I did, right? I want them to do better than me. I want them to skip the part where they're quest- wondering if God is really for them. I want them to hold on and stay con- So I'm contending in the spirit for them. I can't do much in the natural besides what I'm doing, but I'm fighting in the spirit for them. This is the fight of your life. When you say, I choose you, Jesus, I'm going to die to self. I choose you and I accept you, Holy Spirit, and I will cultivate and change my life so that you are close to me. What happens? The prince of the earth is coming and he is here. And it is an all out attack on what what the enemy knows will pull you away from the truth that is Christ. John 10.10 says the the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. First Peter tells us to be alert, be sober-minded. The enemy is looking for who he will devour. This is not passive. We don't serve an enemy that's like, oh, I'm just going to distract him today. I'm just going to do this. The Lord describes him as someone who is on attack all the time. Okay? First Timothy says, flee Flee sin, pursue righteousness, fight the good fight. Philippians tells us to stand firm. I want to turn to the book of Jude. Jude is a little tiny book right before Revelation, which is a big book. It's one chapter with a lot of verses. Jude is um, someone, history tells us that Jude knew who Jesus was. He knew him in real time, okay? And he is writing to the church. He is writing to Christians who know the truth about Jesus. He's writing to us. And he is saying, I'm just going to skip around a little bit here. He is saying, his, he opens up his letter with saying, I'm writing to you who have been called, who are loved in God the Father and kept for Jesus. I love to read the Message Bible, not as an alternative to my daily devotion, but just for a little different perspective. And Jude, Jude says to his people, to these people, I'm writing to you who are loved by God, who are called and kept safe by Jesus. Relax. Everything's going to be okay. Things are coming, but open your hearts. 
right? Jesus is coming. Okay, so we're going to go down in Jude where he is war- He begins to warn the church. He's warning us. You, my friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Spirit. Keep yourself in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus to bring you to eternal life. Because to him who is able to keep you and present you with great joy, God be the glory. Okay? So right before, right in verse 3 again, he says, Dear friends, I'm eager to write to you, but I want to urge you to contend for the faith that was for once and all entrusted to God's people. Because there are people that will, that will tell you they are connected to the vine, but they're not. There's people that will teach you things that they will say will come from the God, but they're not. The whole book of Jude is about the deception amongst the people of God. So today, my, my last word is to contend for your faith, to, con- to battle and pray in your spirit, because we are, not, we are in a fight for ourselves, for our soul to stay connected, to remain, and to fight for our children, for our children in our community, for the children of our, of our church. Because the alternative is disconnect. The alternative is to be cut off. The alternative is to be burned, right? It is a natural consequence of me pruning my peppers and giving them fertile soil and taking care of them that they produce fruit. And it's a natural consequence in our life. But once we begin to produce fruit, things come to steal it, right? Things try to... In the natural, all kinds of pests will come to steal what we produce in our in our garden. We need to contend for our faith. We need to remain, stay connected. We we need to not visit the vine, not rely on someone else's connection. The moment that it goes bad, right? Because it will, because we live in a fallen, broken world. We live in a world where someone will say they're a Christian and they'll preach to you, but it will not be true. We live in a world where people will say that they're a Christian and they are so far from it, right? Where everything is acceptable, everything is permissible. We need to stand and contend for a true faith, for connection with our Father. Because what happens when hardships come? What happens when financial burdens come? What happens when you're sick? What happens when there's trauma? What happens when your kids are not walking with Jesus and they're choosing chaos? What happens when you're seeing people you love in, in pain, right? What happens when you lose people you love? Do we question God? Do we let down our guard? We, do we turn to the lifestyle choices that distract and numb our pain? Or do we excuse our sin? Man, I, uh, I read a blog post by Exodus Cry, which is a, um, an organization that is anti-human trafficking, anti-pornography. And they interviewed like a whole bunch of Christians. And one of the things, I, I couldn't believe it. One of the things that they, they Do you think if you, they were listing like all kinds of sin. One of the sin was, is sexual nudity on social media, Twitter, YouTube, whatever, is that considered pornography? It is in fact pornography. It is the definition of pornography. 82% said no, they don't consider it pornography. Right, okay, and it went on to list all kinds of sin, Um, you know, emotional emotional sin, you know, sins of the mind, sins of the thing. 92% said that things that are from websites that they wouldn't go to are not considered so bad if it's on social media. Why? Because we like to excuse our sin. Because we want to make excuses for our disconnect. It's how easy is it for... I just couldn't believe it. So um, we need to remember that Jesus is saying... 
all. Remain in me, and I will give you what you need. Be my disciple. Be mine. You know, that verse in that chapter, John 15, says, if you remain in me, I will give you what you ask for. And that's kind of like an interesting thing for Jesus to say, right? Because I'm sure we've all asked for things that Jesus has not delivered to us. Am I right? Um, but the thing is, Jesus is speaking to, speaking to his people, to us, trusting that we're remaining, that we're choosing him, that we're in communion with him, that we're cooperating and cultivating a healthy life, that we're standing in agony against the world, that we're standing contending for our own faith, protecting it, so that what we ask for as a baby Christian, we don't ask for now. What we thought we wanted doesn't matter anymore because we are like Jesus. We are connected to the source. Amen? So um, I'm not sure. I had a song I was going to have James play, but I just want to remind you, church, to remain connected to Jesus. Because when we are connected, we produce fruit. Pastor, you can, I don't know, you can come. But listen, when we're hated and disrespected, when we feel lonely, what do we do? We have love. When we're in crisis and in tough times and we don't know what's next, we have joy bubbling up, all right? When we have chaos and anxiety all around us, peace is our weapon. When we have trying and different, when we have people that are not listening, right? Patience is our middle name. When we don't know what else to do, right? When we feel like we can't handle this anymore, kindness leads us. When we can't sleep because it's dark and we have so many things on our mind, so many things pressing us, the goodness of God is our light. It shows us what's next, all right? When you've been cheated on, when you felt betrayed, when you have no trust left, His faithfulness becomes your faithfulness. Amen? And hallelujah. When we have cycles of pain, when we have people pushing back against us, gentleness is our mindset, our crown. And when it feels like we are in all-out spiritual warfare, when it feels like there is nothing but attacks, self-control tells us that it might feel like hell around us, but heaven inside of us keeps us worshiping, keeps us connected to the source of life, keeps us praising, keeps us saying that no matter what it looks like, if God is for me, who can be against me? Amen. So, will you remain with Jesus today? Did that, will that change how you worship him now? Because I'm churched, right? I'm the church. I have been in church. I get it. You're the church. We can come here and check in our time. We can do our daily devotional. That's very little word and a lot of something else. We can join the live streams, whatever. That's okay. You can do that. But when push comes to shove, if we're not connected to the true vine, which implies that there's others, we are broken. We are lost. That is scary. So remain in Jesus. Amen. I have, yeah, I have, I, I'm going to, James is going to play a song. Listen, this song is kind of new. It just came out and it says this. I love your presence. I want to dwell in your presence. That's all I want. I love it here. I just want to be with you, Jesus. So I hope this morning that that becomes your daily prayer like David. I'm, I'm such a sinner, Lord. I 
to be so far from you, but one thing I want is for you to never leave me. One thing I want is to dwell with you. Like Mary, can we, can we put aside the list of things and sit with Jesus? Will you remain with him? We're going to play that. I'm going to be available for prayer. Pastor's going to pray us out. All right? All right. Good plan. Amen.
everyone to step out of your seat and gather around the altar here today. Th- Stacy, thank you for a good word. You preached the word of God today, no doubt. Everyone, come on out. Step out of your seat. Just gather around the front here. James, maybe you could play that or something softly in the background. Just want to close out with prayer. You know, John 1.14 says, after all that about abiding or remaining, if you remain in me, you know what, how it ends? This is how good God is. If you remain in me, your joy will be full. Who doesn't want joy? If we remain with him, our joy is full. Wow, that's powerful. Every head bowed for just one sec. just want you to raise your hand if that's you. No one will look it around. But is there anyone here that just needs to receive Jesus today? You you need Jesus. You just need Jesus. Yeah. All right. Anyone feel like, you know, you you know the Lord, but you've been in and out and and you're not remaining with God. You're you're with him sometimes, but sometimes you're not. And today you feel like I'm I'm determined. I'm going to remain with my Savior. Anyone like that? I'm going to remain with God. Even when the bottom falls out, I'm going to remain with God. Amen? And here's the last thing. I wonder if somebody has some people in your lives that you would do anything to have them remain with Jesus. You know, you you love them. You care for them. Their eternity is at stake. Their present life is not good because they're running from God. All they would need to do is surrender. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a good word today. Help us to remember that one word, remain, and all the different categories of that. Yes, help us to remain with you, oh God. Father, we want to pray for anyone that's come to a place in their lives where they, they need you as their Lord and Savior. We pray along with them, Lord. We believe in you. We know we're sinners. We're, we need you. We believe that you died for our sins. We receive you today as our personal Lord and Savior. We pray for anyone, Lord, that has been up and down, in and out of a relationship with you. Today, that's got to stop. Today, we decide I will follow you, Jesus. Even when the most difficult things happen in my life, I will follow you all the days of my life. And Lord, for those of us that have loved ones, family, friends, that we really love and care about, and their lives are just broken and they're miserable, and they refuse to receive you. Lord God, your word said, unless the Spirit moves on them, they cannot understand the things of God. So we pray, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit to our loved ones. Bring them to a place of surrender to your Lordship. So, Lord, in closing this service out, thank you for a good day in your house. Thank you for those on the live stream. Thank you for those here in the house. We pray, Lord, a blessing, blessing upon everyone here, upon our children downstairs. Let us leave here today encouraged that you have great things in store for us. Lord, help us to remember John 1, 14. If we remain with you, Lord, you said our joy will be full. Let us walk out of here filled with the joy of the Lord. Let the joy of the Lord truly be our strength.
And we thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. All right, so the altars are open for a little while. Stacy will be here. Some others will be around to pray. Uh, Pamela and I will go to the door and greet you over there. Grab a cup of coffee if you want, and uh, we'll see you a little bit. Join us tonight at 6 o'clock on the live stream.